Hey, what not the podcast? Pastor Wolfmuther here, pastor of St. Paul, Jesus Deaf Lutheran Churches in Austin, Texas. Here's the audio from this week's Sunday Drive Home, reflecting on Christ the vine, we the branches, and what it means that we dwell in Christ and Christ dwells in us. Um, no announcements at the end, just to remind you here, if you like this thing and all the other theology hanging around, uh, make sure to subscribe to Wednesday Whatnot at the website, wolfmuller.co slash Wednesday, and also jump into our Worldwide Bible class. You can find the link to that. We do it on Zoom uh, on Wednesday mornings, Texas time, 10 a.m. The link for that is wolfmuller.co slash Bible. Uh, we're studying the Holy Spirit, working through what all this stuff means. Hope you can join us for that as well. Love to hear from you. Uh, it's on the website, contact button. Let me know if you got some theology questions or whatever you're wondering about. I'd be glad to hear from you there. Otherwise, here you go, Sunday Drive Home. Sunday Drive Home. It's nap time for me. I hope it is for you. Let me lull you to sleep by thinking about, ooh, today, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's one of the seven I am statements of Jesus. And in these things, like last week when he says, I'm the good shepherd, here's what I think Jesus is doing. There's all these pictures of the church, Old Testament, New Testament. And so like, for example, Jesus is the bridegroom, we're the bride. Jesus is the cornerstone, we're the temple. Jesus is the head, we're the body. Jesus is the good shepherd, we are the little lambs. Jesus is the Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. Jesus is the vine dresser, and we are his vineyard. And especially all of those pictures, those five images of the church are in the Old Testament, except for one, which is interesting. Christ the head, we the body, that's not in the Old Testament. And the reason I am guessing it's not in the Old Testament is because in the Old Testament, God didn't have a body. <laughs> That's my speculation. But but all these other ones, like, like last week we had the Good Shepherd, and there's so many Good Shepherd pictures in the Old Testament. And then Jesus grabs them all, applies them to himself, and then amps it up. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, I think that happens too with all the vineyard stuff. So remember, the preaching of the prophets was the, that the Lord's people were his vineyard, his field, his fertile field. The, I think the best for this was Isaiah chapter 5, the song of the vineyard. Oh, let me sing a song of my vineyard. The Lord has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. You can see it in Isaiah 5, and it talks about all the stuff that the Lord does. He builds a hedge around it. He builds a watchtower. He builds a wine press. He plants his vineyards, and then he goes to get the grapes. Woohoo! Grape time. And the grapes are sour. <laughs> sour grapes. Set your teeth on edge. And uh, the Lord says, what am I going to do with my vineyard now? I'll tell you. I'm going to tear it up. This idea of the vineyard, in fact, we have it even in the in the messy, in the preaching of the Messiah where it says like, uh, where Jesus is called the the shoot from the stump of Jesse <laughs> and the and all the preaching of the forest. And so we have this picture that the 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 Lord is the vine dresser. He's the vineyard owner and and the, his church, we, his church, his people are the vines. And so Jesus will preach that in the parables. Just like so compare this. 
compare what Jesus does with the parable of the hundred sheep and one's lost, Jesus will also preach parables about the vineyard. There's a vineyard owner and he goes to a foreign country and he puts people over the vineyard and then he comes and then they kill him, the the people, the slaves, and they kill the son. So he gives these parables. This is all kind of living in the realm of this picture of the Lord being the vine dresser and we're the vine. But then Jesus in John ramps it up a level. He takes it up a notch. I wonder where that phrase comes from. If anybody knows the origin of to take it up a notch, what's that talking about, that notch? Is it a sailing term or nightclub DJ term? Anyway, if you know, post in the comments. Oh, and thanks for saying where you're from and watching last week in the comments. That was kind of fun. Stay focused. Oh, so, so Jesus ramps it up. I wonder where ramps it up comes from. I'm just so full of cliches unassessed, absorbed cliches. So Jesus amps it up <laughs> and says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. The word for true there is a unique word for true. It doesn't mean true like a truth statement, like true versus false. It means true like real. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the reality of vines. Like Jesus is saying, if, if you've ever seen a vine before, it was just copying me. <laughs> and any of its vininess is because it's like me. I am the true, real vine, and you are the, the branches. And my father is the vine dresser. <laughs> so Jesus takes all the vine preaching of the prophets and he, and he amplifies it to, to emphasize two things, that we need to abide in him and that abiding in him means that we bear fruit. This, is, this has to do with the mystical union. Remember the mystical union? This is not something that I know how to preach real well. I, I was realizing it as, as I was trying to preach it today. I, was re I realized I don't know how to preach the mystical union. Because there's a lot of danger. And mostly when the Lutherans talk about mystical union, they talk about what it's not. Now, what do I mean by mystical union? Uh, there's probably three theological unions that we talk about. The most important is the personal union, that is the union of the two natures in Christ, the divine nature and the human nature united in the singular person, Jesus Christ. That's what we call the personal union, unio personalis. There's also the sacramental union, which is how Jesus manages to get his body and his blood uh, into the bread and the wine. And that's just language to say that he does it. But the mystical union is the union of Christ and the church and the union of Christ and the believer. So this union is a corporate reality. It's true of Jesus and the whole church, but it's also an individual reality that Christ is in each one of us, that Christ dwells in our heart by faith, Paul says in Ephesians. In, in Ephesians 5, when Paul's talking about husband and wife, he goes on to talk about Christ and the church and how they're parallel to one, one another. And we are, we are his flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. So that there's a union. And, and Jesus talks about this with, he, in John 14, he says, we, the Father and I, will come and dwell in him. 
So the mystical union is that beautiful doctrine that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwell in us. Us, all Christians, and us as individual Christians. Both are true. And it's not just that God gives us his gifts, but that God himself is with us. The evangelical church has talked talks about this a lot. Christ lives in your heart, and they've made that really their definition of salvation. Now, here's why the Lutherans, at least here's... It's mostly negative when we talk about the mystical union because we always want to talk about what the mystical union's not. This goes back to an old fight. Andreas Osiander, I gotta know his history. He must have been a, he was a a Reformation theologian. I don't know if he was a Wittenberger or not, but he, Osiander taught that Christ in us is our righteousness and is our justification. So he taught that God the Father looks down at us and instead of seeing our sin, he sees Christ in us, dwelling in us. He can't see our sin and so we are therefore justified. Now the the Lutheran theologians, this is after Luther died and they were having this big fight about it and they said, no, 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 no. It's not, Christ in us is not our justification. Christ for us is our justification. It's not the it's not the righteousness of Christ by virtue of his being with us that saves us. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ, which he declares us to be righteous and forgives our sins. And this is all, this is all worked out in Article 3 of the Formula of Concord, which is now your required reading. If you've watched this far into the video, you'll like it anyway. So Article 3 of the Formula of Concord. Someone remind me in the comments and I'll put a link. I'll pin a link in the comments. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to read if you can get the background like this. And it's, so it's not Christ in us that's, that is our righteousness, but Christ for us. But that does not mean that Christ is not in us. It just means that we have to maintain this distinction between justification and sanctification. Justification, Christ for us, the forgiveness of sins, the imputed, it's the declaration that God from the throne says, you're innocent, you're acquitted. And then Christ in us is a a gift that follows on, the gift of renewal. So that we are in God and God is in us and in a unique and special way. I mean, we know that God is everywhere, true enough, but he is in you, dear Christian, uniquely. He dwells in us and that matters. It matters because the Holy Spirit has taken up in us the battle against the flesh. There's this, we're all born wanting to do wicked stuff, evil stuff, stupid stuff, bad stuff, death kind of stuff. We are born on the way to death and our flesh wants to keep going that way. We're we're hell-bent. There's a use of a cliche that's uncliched. We're hell bent. Someone remind me that I just said that because I'm going to make a note of it. Concupiscence equals hell bent. We're bent towards hell. We're inclined towards wrath and destruction. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us 
and begins to show us our own wickedness, teach us the depth of our own sin, to, starts to put to death the flesh and its desires and cultivate in us good and godly desires, which are quite wonderful, so that we start to want to do the right thing. Now, you see some of the dangers here, right? The dangers of perfectionism, like we can do it. The dangers of pietism, which tries to find assurance in my growth and good works. The dangers of Methodism, Wesleyism, that's perfectionism. The holiness bodies that say that I can achieve a level of holiness where I don't need the forgiveness of sins. Those are all wrong and dangerous. That's all we're talking about. But we should not be... We should be able to simply say what the Bible says about this glorious fact. That God the Creator is in us. That the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in us, in you, dear Christian. So that he so that the Lord has not He's not left you or abandoned you or forsaken you. The Lord says, hey, you got some if I'm gonna if I'm gonna let you stick around down there for a while before I call you to myself in heaven, I'm gonna let you live there on earth. I'm gonna give you a vocation and neighbors and I'm going to give you a calling, and I'm going to give you some ability and everything like this, and I'm going to give you some commandments, and I'm going to give you some work to do, and we think, man, I just can't do it. It's just too much. I don't know how. And she says, but I'm not going to let you, you're not going to do it on your own. It's not your own strength, your own effort, your own gumption, your own pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. I used to think that you were strong enough, you could grab onto the sides of your shoes and lift yourself up off the ground. (laughs) I mean, when I was a kid. Not like yesterday. I didn't think that... We're not pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Jesus says, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nada, can nothing. You're You're kaput. But when we abide in him we abide in his love, when we abide in his word, and when his word abides in us, then fruit starts to grow, starts. I think that's a key word, by the way. If you want to, if you want to just like indicate if there's a Lutheran talking about sanctification or someone else, the key word is always start. We start to love. We begin to love. (laughs) The Holy Spirit begins to shape us give us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control but it's just starting it's always just right up the starting block never at the finish line not till the resurrection so we can praise God for this Praise God for this mystical union that Christ has joined himself to us and joined us to himself and that we are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. 
<laughs> and just as his flesh has risen, so one day we will stand on the earth and our eyes will behold him, not another. Our Redeemer lives for us, with us, in us. God be praised. Sunday dream. Luther talks about this mystical union in on the freedom of the Christian, which now is, I'm giving myself the homework. I'm going to go read that first half of the freedom of the Christian, where he talks about how the Christian is married to Christ. That's your homework as well. You can download that thing for free, wolfmuller.co. Hit the books button, everyone's Luther, freedom of the Christian, it's over there somewhere. Someone remind me, I'll put that in the links as well. And when you're hanging out at the wolfmuller.co, <laughs> hanging around, loitering, when you're loitering at the website, Sign up for the Wednesday Whatnot, which is more like the weekend whatnot now because I've been doing all my like office work when I'm listening to Fisk during the Saturday morning chill. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, it's still called the Wednesday Whatnot because I know you guys don't like change. Wednesday Whatnot that comes out on Saturday. And there's a bunch of free books there. And that's where to get to the worldwide Bible study www.wolfmuller.co slash Bible where we're studying the Holy Spirit which is basically I'm working through some of the stuff that I'm talking about now what it means that the Holy Spirit lives in us and has us it's just not a topic that we talk about a lot but there's so much biblical material that we need to wrestle with and so you can join me and help me with that uh, so set your alarm 10 o'clock uh on Wednesday morning. Now you say, Pastor, we're all over the world. 10 o'clock, what time zone? Well, it's Texas time, of course. Just, you should all, you should all get those apps on your phone that has the two time zones and where you are and then what time it is in Texas. Just remind you that you want to end up here eventually. You know, I mean, not, to, not this next week, but you want to end up in Texas before the resurrection. Oh, anyway, thanks. See you around. Ha, ha, ha.